Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these streets. So happy Sunday. Happy New Week. I feel like I have a little extra energy today as I'm recording this. I'm like, my voice sounds a little more chipper and I think it's because I literally just finished watching the World Cup match and let me say this is the best World Cup final I have seen it's the best in my lifetime maybe there was better before this but I I was thoroughly amused I was thoroughly entertained I was at the edge of my seat I actually had to make some tea after watching this game because my blood pressure was so up like this was a match. So you guys know that my team is Brazil. I bleed green. I bleed yellow. However, unfortunately, they did not make it to the finals. They were eliminated. Um, but you know, as as a diehard Brazil fan, as a Haitian, regardless, they are still my team. Regardless, the other side of the coin is that hey, there there's a group of Haitians that are like diehard Argentina fans, regardless of whether Brazil is in the race or not. And so a lot of them obviously are happy today. The thing is, is that, you know, once Brazil was eliminated, it's like you kind of had to figure out, are you staying out of this? Like, do you have a dog in the fight? Are you picking a new team? Are you just, you know, continuing to watch for the love of soccer? Or do you jump on the Argentina bandwagon? So for the finals, for those of you who don't follow football slash soccer, for the finals, it was Argentina and France, right? So Le Bleu and Argentina. And so it became, I would say with a lot of my friends, because I have a good group of friends who are avid, like we love soccer and we love World Cup especially. So it it be this one was a bit tricky for us because with Argentina, not not Argentina fans. A lot of us are not Argentina fans. Doesn't matter. But Messi, Lionel Messi, is an amazing player. Like he is the quote unquote goat. And the whole conversation was that you can't be a goat without having nothing to show for it, right? I.e. a World Cup win. So we knew that this was his last chance to really get this win, to solidify him as a legend in the sport of football slash soccer. So a part of us were torn because we wanted to see the win for Messi, even though we, we were not Argentina fans. However, La France, Les Bleus, a team comprised pretty much of Africans, a lot of us of the black community wanted to root and in fact did root for the French team, not because we are in support of France and all this other stuff, but because of the Africans who essentially make up the team. So, you know, there's like a pot, I think it's like $40 million or whatever uh, for the team that wins the World Cup and the money actually goes to the players divided amongst the players. So, you know, we're talking about dollars, significant amount of dollars in the pockets of these players. And so, of course, 
as a black person, I want to root for everybody who's black. I want to make sure that the black the money stays in the black pockets. The dollars go to the to the Africans, right? Um, so it was a very interesting dynamic where it's like rooting for Le Bleu, rooting for my African brothers, right? And then also winning that special win for Messi. So it was a very intense game. The first half, we were just like, the Africans are not here to play. We don't know what's going on. Even though I think a lot of us forgot, those of us who followed, you know, the first half was quite trying. We were all kind of like, what the hell is happening here? The French are not here to play. But we have to remember that the French team was like plagued with sickness, like what was it, a week ago? So they were not feeling well. So that first half you saw, I think that's what you saw on the, on, on the field, is the French team just like kind of like barely making it. But I think once they saw that Argentina was up two, you know, two goals, they at the halftime went and got some real mascriti, went and drank some castro oil, had somebody pray over their heads because that second half, like it literally was two different games, two different football games. Like the game that you saw when you first logged on was not the game at the end. Out of all of this, Argentina, they, they did win. They are the winners of the World Cup. So Messi is now solidified as the GOAT, as the legend. However, I have now found a new player, a new favorite player, Mbappe. Mbappe from the French team, from Le Bleu. I have not seen such display of, I don't even know what to say, but this kid can play. This kid can play. And I'm saying like, he's like the next Pele. Like he is that good. So I am definitely going to be buying his jersey and going to be supporting the player. Ultimately, you know, when your team doesn't make it past a certain level, you start going for players. Like now you're hoping for players. So congratulations to Lionel Messi for now being the GOAT. I still have hope that in the next World Cup, Brazil will come back strong. And I would love to see a Brazil and France showdown. That is what I'm, I'm, I would love to see that. I would love to see Neymar and Mbappe go head to head, toe to toe. Anyways, enough <laughs> of the soccer talk for those of you who are not interested. <laughs> so this week is a solo episode. We have a guest coming on next week that's going to be talking about HIV AIDS. For whatever reason, I think the community thinks that HIV and AIDS is either no longer a thing, but unfortunately, it still is. It is still running rampant in our communities. But I think what's positive and what we need to talk about more is that there are advancements. There are so many advancements in this space. People are living longer. People are living healthier lives. And so we want to talk about that. So next week, make sure you you tune in for that episode. If you are not already subscribed to The Greatest Podcast, according to RP, please go ahead and subscribe, comment, you know, love, like, share it with your family members. You can access According to RP on pretty much any platform where you tune in to your shows and your podcasts. So that's Apple, that's Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio. There's a bunch more as well, too. So definitely look out for According to RP so you can be locked in so that whenever an episode drops, you are the first to know. 
Also, while I'm plugging things in, please follow us at Black Ivy Media on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm trying to really bring up the YouTube now that we are in full swing with creating our documentaries. For those of you who have already subscribed, thank you so much. There you will find a lot of the video interviews from According to RP. You will find our live panels that we have held on Black Ivy Media, as well as some behind the scenes clips. You'll find some uh, some shorts on YouTube. So definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. But also more importantly, we recently released our documentary Black Women and Small Businesses on a YouTube about what two weeks ago exactly two weeks ago so far we have a little over 2,000 views and again thank you for all of you who have watched it who have shared it who have left a comment especially thank you so much but 2,000 is amazing of course you know we are trying to do much better than that so if you have not watched this documentary please do so the women in this film you know, really, you know, were transparent in terms of their struggles. They gave a lot of great, great, great motivational nuggets. A lot of gems were dropped. I'm so proud of them and I'm so proud of this film. And there again, like I said, there's more to come, but definitely support the project by just watching it, just liking it, sharing it, leaving a comment, um, you know, just show your support for the women who are in the documentary. Let them know that the time that they took to share um, and impart their knowledge was not in vain. And also support me because you guys know I love your support either way. So today I'm going to talk about a topic that I, I talk about often on this platform, mental health, mental health awareness. And this conversation was really sparked by the recent tragic events of um, earlier in the week where DJ Twitch, uh, this is the famous DJ that's on the Ellen De- DeGeneres show, the dancing DJ, uh, unfortunately took his life on Tuesday, leaving behind a wife and kids. And what was interesting about this particular um, situation is that, you know, just a few days ago, he had celebrated his, I think it was his ninth year of marriage with his wife. He, I think, had posted up a dancing video maybe the day before. So it, it it came to a shock to a lot of people because they were like, dude, you were just dancing. You were just popping and locking the night before. Like what could have happened in that time, you know, to allow you to say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. And time and time again, when social media gets wind of the suicides, the next thing that you see is posts on Check in on your strong friend, check in on your happy friend. And although I think that message is sound, I do think that the strong ones, the happy ones need to be checked in on because those are the ones who don't get checked in on, right? If people think that I'm happy, they're not going to check in on me. If people think that I'm strong, they're going to think that I can take it, I can handle it, then they're going to be like, she's good. Let me focus my efforts on the ones who are literally out here on these streets crying and, and, and doing all this stuff. So it is important to check on your strong friends. But I hate when these things end up becoming trends, right? Where everyone now is creating a video. Everyone now is creating a post, but they're not really going to the crux of it all. They're not really addressing what the root issue is and they're not telling you how to check in. They're not talking about how do you check in on this strong friend, on this, you know, happy friend. It's just check in guys, hashtag and call it a day. 
You know, social media, I've always said, is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it does allow us to connect with people from all over the world, but it also gives us an opportunity to follow up on people that have been in our lives, right? How many of us can truly say that there are people that we check, we are checking in on via social media, meaning we don't call them, we don't text them, we don't try to meet up with them. We literally feel like we have a good sense of how their life is going based on social media. And I'm guilty of that too. There are people that I'm, I am cool with, very cool with, But social media, because I see that they're posting all the time and they're sharing all the time, I feel like I've talked to them. I feel like I've communicated with them. And so therefore, because you're seeing all of this activity on social media, you almost feel you almost don't feel the need to check in because you're like, I already know everything that's going on in your life because I'm I'm watching it on a day to day. And so that gets dangerous, though, because we all know social media is a liar. Social media, you know, it has its its benefits, but it is the easiest way to mask your life. It is the easiest way to showcase something that's not really there. And oftentimes it's not that we are doing it on purpose. Like when I post a video of me, you know, looking happy, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm trying to trick everybody on social media to think that I'm happy. It could just be I wanted to share that picture. And then everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Rita is wearing a mink. And I'm like, dude, this is a $30 jacket that I got from Amazon. Or they're like, Rita's on vacation again. Meanwhile, it's a picture that I posted maybe five years ago of me on vacation. And I felt like reposting it again. So social media, for the most part, I think it's dangerous because we perceive people, our perceptions of people, is through the lens of social media, is through the lens of what they post. And that becomes very, very dangerous. So back to this, you know, checking in on your strong friend, your 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 happy friend. You know, I want to talk about how are we checking in? That's what I want to hone in on because I think that that's the conversation we need to be having. That's what's important, right? So, when we talk about checking in, I think that we should be checking in on everybody, whether they're strong, whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they're confused, whether they're indifferent. The indifferent community is also a community that needs to be checked in on. Those who are not high or low, those who are not hot or cold, those who literally are like in the middle, like, yeah, everything's cool, everything is copacetic. That is also a population of people that we need to check in on, which again goes back to my point that we need to check in on everybody. Strong, indifferent, whatever. I feel like if you have people in your life that you consider to be dear to you, that you consider to be loved ones, friends or family, you need to create a system of a check-in. You need to be intentional on how you are checking in with those individuals. It should not just be when we hear somebody took their life, when we hear tragedy strikes, we want to be like, okay, let me send everybody a mass text message to see how they're doing. Because then what are you doing with that information, right? What are you, how are you processing that? So I think we need to get into the habit of creating intentional check-ins and to really solidifying relationships that we have with individuals that we profess to love and care about. So we need to create these environments for these friends and families to be able to come to us open, honestly, and candidly, right? One thing, you know, uh, I was talking about with an individual this week was that 
sometimes it's not that people don't want to lean on their friends and family. Sometimes it's that they don't feel like a space has been created for them to do so. And I think that goes back to being intentional. How are we creating space for our friends and family? Are we creating space for our loved ones to come to us when they really are going through something? We often hear when somebody takes their life, like, oh man, I wish they would have come to me. But how, like, did you create a space for them to do that? Are you, you know, are you comfortable? I mean, are these people comfortable enough to come to you? Like, are you judgmental? You have to take a look at yourselves as well, too, right? We all do when we're talking about, oh, we wish people would have come to us. Are you approachable? Can people talk to you? If I tell you I'm going through something, are you going to be like, nah, 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 girl, you're going to be good? Or, you know what? Everybody is going through something. Like, how are we doing that, right? And I think that. I think that at, to some extent, we all are guilty of being the gaslighter in someone else's life. Sometimes we don't do it on purpose. But, you know, one of my girlfriends, we had this honest conversation this week, you know, when when social media was going crazy with the news of Twitch. And we had this honest conversation where she's like, you know, people people look at her and they're like, oh, my gosh, like you have it all. You have you know, a husband. You, you just bought a new house. You have three beautiful children. Um, you, you know, you, you, you have a great job. You're working for a fortune 500 company. You're always posting happy go lucky videos of your beautiful family, pictures of your beautiful family. I would never think to check on you because you, you seem like you're so happy. And she told me that there were times when she would tell, you know, tell people or would start to vent to people like, Oh my gosh, like this is what's going on. And people would literally be like, no, you'll be fine. You're good. And they would diminish her experience. And I have been through that. I've gone through that myself where, you know, I'm somebody who suffers from chronic illness. Like I have things going on and I do suffer from anxiety and depression more so now than I did before. I I mean, I've I've suffered with it for a while, but nobody ever really knew because I was always good at managing it. I've been good at managing it. But as you get older, your defenses, you know, weaken and you have other issues that are piling up on other issues. And next thing you know, you have no control of your mental health. And so, you know, even those of us who are going to therapy are having issues. We're struggling. We are taking our lives. People think that just because you go to therapy, you're fine. But it is a daily struggle. It's a daily battle when you're dealing with these things. But I've had people tell me to my face, No, you're good, girl, like as if I'm exaggerating my life, which is why sometimes you just don't talk. You just don't speak. You don't cry out for help or you are crying out, but they are so into themselves or they're so into diminishing your experience that they don't even hear the cry. So when we talk about, you know, let's check in being intentional, what does that look like? We need to we need to be approachable. We need to be that person where people are comfortable coming to to say, hey girl, I'm having a really bad day today. This is what happened, right? And be that listening ear. Be that non-judgmental ear. Be that non-confrontational ear. Be that non-like, girl, let me sit down and tell you ear. Sometimes people just want to be heard. 
right? They don't always want you to give them that solution. And that's difficult for some of us, right? Because we, we sometimes we feel like we have the answers and we're not coming from a place of condescending. We're not trying to, you know, we don't intentionally diminish, but sometimes we have to be cognizant of the way that we react to news, the way that we react to um, when people share that sometimes it does come off. And I've even had to you know, come to that conclusion that even sometimes I can be diminishing and, and maybe, you know, like, girl, you're going to, you know, get, you know, you're going to get through this. Sometimes the words of encouragement, you have to be careful on how you give it, right? Because they might not necessarily be words of encouragement. So we have to create that open environment. We have to, you know, create that space where people could be candid so they can share about, you know, their fears, talk about their fears, talk about their struggles without being felt that they are being gaslit or judged, right? I think when we create these spaces, it allows for the individual who is going through it to let their guard down and to not feel like they need to perform. I think what many don't realize is that people we we are actors like some of us really deserve that academy award we deserve that emmy we deserve that grammy we deserve awards for the way that we put on for society like i know people and i've done it myself where i have to go live i have to create a video of some sort for social media I will like practice my smile. I will practice my happy voice, my chipper voice. What octave do I need to get at so that people don't get wind that I'm not doing well? Because I have to perform, right? So people are rehearsing their faces. They're rehearsing their tones. They're rehearsing their happiness before jumping on social media and even in face-to-face act, um, you know, um, interactions. People are like, okay, uh, let's get it together, you know, put on the happy face and they legit walk into the room as if the world is their oyster, right? And so I think that when many of us question these instances of suicide where it's like, dude was just dancing last night or homegirl was just, you know, uh, you know, giving the speech of her lifetime or she was just, you know, so happy. She was just with us on our girl's trip. You have to remember that when people are performing, they're performing, they're performing, you know, so that they can get through life. And unless you are in tune with these individuals, unless you have created that space for them to feel vulnerable enough to come to you, and even if they're not coming to you, but you've created that relationship where you yourself can see through the mask, what's going to happen is that there's going to come a point when the performer gets tired. It's a full-time job trying to be happy sometimes. The performer will get tired. And when the performer gets tired, sometimes that this is the this is the the result, right? They decide that all right, I'm done, and they're done. Done living, done performing, done being an active participant in this thing called life. It's exhausting. It's tiring. And again, unless you have people who truly know your markers, 
people will miss it. They will miss the signs. They will miss the cries for help. Like so many times I've heard people say, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't, I, I would have never known. I was just with her. Like how, how did this happen? Well, they were probably giving you signs upon signs upon signs, but you weren't paying attention. You weren't paying attention for a plethora of reasons, right? You know, we have to be more intentional with our relationships. We have to pay attention. We have to truly listen. You know, it was maybe about a month ago, I was with two of my girlfriends and, you know, I I met up with them to go look at this spot. We were planning on doing an event there and, you know, I was just talking to them about something. I don't remember what, but... I think, you know, I was, I've been transparent with them. So they know that I've been going through some ups and downs. And, you know, one of them had said, you know, but at least we're here for another day. At least, you know, we have to be grateful that we're seeing another day. And I told her, I'm like, well, that's if you care to see another day. Because if you don't care to see another day, there's nothing to be grateful about. And I don't remember what else I said, but the other friend was like, huh, we're going to have to talk. So where one friend just kind of like bypassed the conversation and went straight to, you know, the encouragement, which again, you know, is, can be important depending. The other friend was truly listening. And that night she called me like, what was this conversation we were having earlier? What is, what is happening with you? What is going on here? I don't, I don't like that talk. What is that? So sometimes we have to listen. It's in our face. It's usually not a secret, but we don't truly listen. We don't. We are not in tune. We are not giving full and divided attention when we are communicating with one another. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it too. I'm the queen multitasker. I miss things. We miss things. But if we are really wanting to, you know, combat this, you know, suicide, pan, you know, pandemic, epidemic, whatever it is, it's not just the job of the individual, it's the community's job as well. It's one of those things when your brother is weak, you're strong, like it's a collective because the mental health situation, like I said, people are in therapy still taking their lives. It's a collective effort in order to keep one alive. And so we have to take that seriously. We have to be intentional when we talk about checking in. What does that look like? Create that system. Everybody's going to be different. Checking in on me could literally be like, hey, girl, send a text. What's going on? You know, let's meet up next week because maybe you're a body language reader and you want to be able to see me and see my body language because you're like, your voice isn't cutting it. You could tell me whatever. I want to see you. I have friends who are like, I want to see your face. And I have other friends who know my voice and they know my tone and they said, I want to hear your voice. I don't want to get a text from you. I want to hear your voice and I'm not going to leave you alone until I hear your voice. So it depends. So you have to get to know what the check-in looks like for your people. The last thing I'll say about this is that I find that within the black community, we are always pitting ourselves against the other black women, black men. And there's this oppression Olympics that is going on that I think is detrimental to us as a people. So when it comes to mental health, 
there's been a lot of conversations around black women in mental health, black men in mental health. And the thing is, is that when it comes to black men, I do think that they have it hard in this area. Why? Because as men in general, right, men are not taught to be emotional. They are not taught to be vulnerable. They are not expected to be either. They are expected to always be strong, always show face, never cry, keep their heads up no matter how hard it is. Don't talk about your feelings. In fact, if you do, you're, you're, you know, you're a bitch ass. Sorry for the cursing, but that's the best word I could come up with. But that's what they're told. And and that is not something that we can deny because as the mother of a young black boy, that is also what my expectations were for him. Now, for me, I grew up in a very interesting household where women were not encouraged to cry and share feelings or anything like that. So I think that background coupled with what society has taught me um, about men my son was never like when he cried, I would look at him like, what are you crying for when he fell? And, and when he, you know, so I, I can admit that I did not create a space for him growing up to be a vulnerable child to, for, to be a child that cries, to be a child that expressed feelings, right? When a man expresses feelings, you look at him like you are a little bitch ass. Like what the hell are you feeling for? Right. And I mean, if we're being honest, that is what society teaches us when it comes to men. In fact, as women who date men, when we sense a little bit of sensitivity, we're questioning whether or not this guy is a guy like we're questioning whether or not he can provide. We're questioning his abilities to, you know, to to be a quote unquote man to provide, to protect based on a little emotion that, you know, we might See, I mean, if again, if we're being honest, right? I mean, thank God through therapy and, and and having a lot of positive male figures in my life, I've moved away from that. And in fact, I want a man who is sensitive, who is vulnerable, who is open, who is candid. But for the most part, that is not what we want to see in men. And so imagine when we talk about mental health and when we talk about creating space, imagine a world where you are a black man and society and your own mother and your own sisters and your own friends and your own family members, everyone expects you to live up to that expectation. But life is hard for everyone, but you can't express, you can't be vulnerable, you can't decompress, you can't talk about what's ailing you, what's paining you, what's stressing you out without the world looking at you like you're a little bitch or you are, you know, or you are too soft or you're not enough. Right. So I think that, you know, when we do think about this mental health in the black community, and this is something that I had to recently learn from a friend of mine, because, again, we we all do these things unconsciously, subconsciously, like we, you know, we're conditioned in a particular way. But I think what separates, um, you know, people is there are those who are willing to continue in their ignorance. And then there are those who are willing to learn and change and act accordingly. Right. 
So for me, when I was having this conversation with this guy who had, you know, he had showed me this video that basically talked about, you know, men and, and the struggles and their mental health and that they don't have these outlets and all these other things, you know, I agreed. But then I was like, you know, you know, and women, whatever, whatever, whatever I said. Now, when I went into my conversation about women, I, I said I brought it up to show that there is a the difference Like you know, everybody's struggling. But the difference is that women do have, for the most part, the space, the language, the vulnerability, because that's part of who we are. So it is easier for us to express and men don't. And so that's why when people look at it, when they look at black people in general and they expect the outcomes to always be the same as to how we deal with things, there is a difference because women we we are we have been taught to be vulnerable in fact you are expected to be vulnerable if you're too hard there's a problem if you're not crying there's a problem we know how to you know release our our tensions and our anxieties a little better not that we are there but a little better whereas men don't have that outlet but even though i felt like i was making a good point and i was trying to show parallels what he said to me was that but you, you see what you did there. You can't have a conversation about the men without having to have brought up women. And therefore, like, that's what makes men turned off to even have a conversation because it's as if my emotions, my feelings, my take is being diminished. Now, I didn't I didn't 100% agree at first because I'm like, no, no, I was trying to. But then I was like, you know what? There is a point there. There was a point there. And so. I say that all that to say this, even in our like our, our allyship, our activism and, and our awareness raising, we have to be careful on how we're doing it. Even in our comforting, even when we feel like we, we are being a shoulder to lean on, we have to make sure that we are doing it with true empathy. Right. Um, and true, not necessarily sympathy, but true empathy. So at the end of the day, we all need to be more intentional or intentional if you haven't been intentional at all when it comes to how we are checking in on our loved ones in general, regardless if they are strong, if they are happy, if they are sad, if they are indifferent. If we are professing that we have loved ones, people that we care about, whether they're friends or family, we need to be intentional. We need to figure out what is that check-in? How does that look like? You know, it's funny because in New York, we get we get a bad rap when they're like New Yorkers will ask you how you're doing and you keep and they'll keep walking. How you doing? They'll keep walking because they're not waiting for the answer. It's just part of whatever the movement is. And that's so true, even when it comes to our personal relationships with our friends and family. It's to the point where people are so comfortable saying, I'm okay, I'm good. And they really aren't because the expectation is is that just because you asked me how I am doesn't mean you really want to know. You're just asking me because that's just part of the pleasantries for the day, right? And I have a couple of friends of mine who they know better. Because with me, if I do ask you how you're doing, I'm asking because I, I actually want to know, because I actually care. And so- the first few times I would ask him, how's he, how's he doing? He'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. But I could tell by the body language or I could tell by the tone of his voice that something was not good. So I would always say, no, really, how are you really? 
And that's something that I've I've done with many people where when I ask them, how are they? And they're like, I'm good. I'm like, okay, well, how are you really? To let them know that I really want to know. I'm not asking just to ask. I have better things to do in my life than just ask people questions that I don't want answers to. You guys know I'm inquisitive. If I ask you a question, I want to know the answer. (laughs) And I want to know the real answer. Not because I want to get in your business, but you know, I feel like if we are going to be a community, if we are engaging with one another, we have to we have to want to know and we want to care how the other person is doing. And so every time I speak to him now where I'm like, how you doing? He knows to give me the whole rundown. This is what's going on with me. You know, this upset me. This made me happy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's how we need to be. And I feel like as we're getting older, as I'm getting older, because, you know, I'm getting older, guys, um, I'm evaluating friendships and relationships every day and trying to figure out how to improve and how to strengthen the relationships with the people who want to be in relationship with me, not the people who are just like riding the fence or just, you know, popping in. But if you're truly going to be in relationship with me and we're going to be in relationship with each other, what does that look like? How can I improve? Because we all make mistakes and we're not always, you know, the best. But I think it's where it's communication that's really the key here. If you don't like the way that I'm communicating with you or you don't feel like I'm doing enough, you have to say something because I could be thinking that I'm doing too much, actually. And the same thing when it comes to that, like, how are you doing business? Like for me, there are a lot of people that I just say, okay, because I'm like, I don't even know if they really want to know or if they really care to know or if they have the time to know because I have a lot to talk about. But that's where that reevaluation of friendships come into play, because anybody who's really writing for me and who's really a friend or, you know, loved one of me will want to know what I'm going through and will take that time, that five minutes. Or if they don't have it at the moment that they ask, be like, listen, I'm going to call you a little later and we are going to have a conversation about what's going on with you. You know, these things are important. They're important to strengthen the relationship. It's important. So I know I've said a lot. And as always, I hope that something resonates with somebody. But I really wanted to take this opportunity to to talk about this again. And I'm going to keep talking about it. But I wanted to focus on this. How are we checking in aspect as opposed to just telling people to check in in your strong friends and your cool friends and your happy friends how are we checking in what are we going to do differently moving forward when we are dealing with our loved ones how are we going to let each other know that we are truly there for them and that whatever they may be going through they can share they can talk, they can, you know, and like, what do you need me to do? We need to get to the point where it's like, our loved ones know, okay, I'm going through something. All right, what do you need me to do? Do we need to take a drive? Do we need to take a walk? Do you want me to just listen while you're on the phone? Do we need to meet up? We need to be comfortable with each other to know that we can share our good, our bad, and our ugly and that we're not going to be judged, we're not going to be gaslit, we're not going to feel diminished. And I'm hoping that with this positive exchange, we can slowly see the numbers of suicide decrease. Because I am tired of seeing young people, especially people with so much life, 
you know, continue down this path. And I get it though. I understand why one goes there. I, I, I respect them even because it's their choice, but sometimes it's not really your choice when you're in the middle of a, a, a mental breakdown, when you're in the middle of an episode, the way that this mental health thing is set up, you can literally, you as the individual could literally be good right now. And then whatever the hormones are, whatever the imbalance is, it kicks in. In the next two minutes, you are in a completely different mental state. You know, so it it's it's tricky sometimes. It's not as cut and dry as, okay, I'm making my decision today. Like there's a lot that goes into this mental health stuff. And I think that we just need to be able to keep talking about it, but talk about the different aspects of it as well too. It's layered. There's so many different layers um, when it comes to mental health, mental illness and these these things. Um, so we need to continue the conversation and we need to to talk about the different aspects. We need to talk about the layers. I think if people can get to an understanding of what is going on in the mind of somebody who is dealing with depression and going through these things, there may be more compassion. There may be more empathy. There may be more help and more lives might be saved. So. With that being said, everyone, have a great, great, great rest of your week and make sure you tune in next week as we are going to be talking with an expert in the field of HIV and AIDS. Again, continuing this train of raising awareness on issues that are focused, especially in our communities of color. So it's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host, and I will talk to you guys next week. You were listening to According to RP on WJM. Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. Can't wait to come back. So-